C3, Connecting Coaches Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3, Connecting Coaches Cognition. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. We have added a new segment to our podcast called Connecting to the Coach. We hope this helps you get to know us on a more personal level. Violet, what's going on in your world? Overall, things are going well. I'm just trying to adjust to this winter weather and getting the boots and mittens and everything out for my girls each morning. But uh, (laughs) overall, just enjoying this new crisp weather. And in the coaching world, I have been super amped about utilizing coaching with my novice two teachers, which are educators who join our district with one to three years of experience. And I have the privilege of teaching a seminar with them. And we were reviewing our game tape or watching our videos of us teaching and they were working with a partner and we had given them some ideas from reflecting into planning and some specific questions to utilize. And it was unbelievable to watch how they were pushing each other's thinkings and being so reflective about their practices and what they're integrating into their classroom. What a great skill for them to be getting um, in their first or second year of teaching. That's awesome. It really is. If you're able to watch your tape from the very beginning, then it just becomes embedded in your practice and you really can be a more um, metacognitive teacher and be able to elevate your practices that much faster. Yeah. So I'm excited to utilize it with them in the future. What have you been up to, Courtney? What's exciting in your world? Uh, life slowing down a little. Pickles, my dog, um, doesn't like to spend a lot of time outside now that it's cold. So I've gotten a little <laughs> more downtime in my world. And I've been working on building um, out some PD around learning targets uh, for one of my schools and hoping that it's going to have a positive effect on teacher's instruction. Oh, that'll be powerful to see what learning targets and success criteria they come up with and watch that develop over the next few months. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they might take things. So now that we've survived the Halloween hoopla and are gearing up for a Thanksgiving feast, we're ready to dive into another episode of C3. It's time for some coaching with the coach. Courtney, you have been a cognitive coach now for over a year. You've worked to elevate your practices as a cognitive coach and been very intentional in how you use your time. How are you feeling about your skills and utilizing them within your schools now that you have a full year's coaching under your belt? My goal this year has really been to go into coaching conversations as a cognitive coach and not as a fixer. It's so easy to fall into wanting to fix everyone's problems and make things easier for teachers. But I know how important the mediation of thought is and when using cognitive coaching. Um, so I really tried to embed it in my daily practice as a coach. Okay, so you're really intentionally trying to take on that identity of a cognitive coach and make that your default in all of your coaching conversations. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. What are your hunches about how this has impacted your coaching cycles with teachers? Um, I think teachers have more of a comfort level when I coach them cognitively. I feel like they walk away feeling that they have ownership over the conversation. Anytime you have that ownership, I'm sure that resonates really deeply with them. So your teachers are, are truly feeling heard and being able to drive the conversation when you're using your cognitive coaching. Mm-hmm. Then how would you compare your approach at the start of last year to the start of this year in terms of collaborating, consulting, and coaching? 
So when looking at my coach's log where I track um, my coaching interactions, at the start of last year, I was doing a lot of consulting and collaborating with educators. And this year, I'm doing a lot more coaching and being really intentional with that. I see bigger gains with my teachers when they're in the driver's seat, and I can help them to reflect more deeply. Within that coaching identity that you are purposely um, growing, you're leaning more on that cognitive coaching model as opposed to other models like consulting or collaborating. Yeah, that's right. What do you want to be mindful of as you continue to grow as a coach throughout this year? Um, I want to be more mindful of leveraging my maps and being more aware of the states of mind. It sounds like you have a strategic plan of action moving forward. I'm super excited to sit down with you at the end of the year and be able to reflect on your progress and your growth throughout this year. Yeah, I look forward to that. It'll be good practice for us. It'll be good to take a look at that. And now at this point, let's dive into today's interview. So if you've hung on this long without knowing what cognitive coaching is, we're going to talk to the expert, Carolee Hayes. Carolee Hayes is a founding director and owner of Thinking Collaborative. She retired as director in 2019, but still conducts seminars in her home state of Colorado. She's also the former co-director of the Center for Cognitive Coaching. All right, Carolee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. We're so excited to have you here and have your expertise in the room. Can you start by giving us a quick summary of what cognitive coaching is, and then also some insights as to the process that an educator has to go through in order to become a cognitive coach? Sure. Um, This is a process, I think, designed to help us have more productive conversations, and those conversations have an intention to really honor another person's thinking. And not just to hear their thinking, but develop their capacity for higher level thinking, as well as to develop their internal resources in what we call the five states of mind, which I'll name for you in case you don't know them, um, are efficacy, consciousness, flexibility, craftsmanship, and interdependence. And when people have those in high resource, they're really good at planning, reflecting, and solving their own problems. So to become a cognitive coach is actually a rather complex. The foundation training is eight days, and when people ask me, how can something take eight days to learn, they quickly learn how complex this is because it's about human communication. So it's an eight-day seminar, and then for people who want want to go further, there's an additional six days. But the real process means going out, using the skills, practicing the skills, integrating them into all the facets of your life. So you really are tapping into their different states of mind in order to be able to help them mediate their thinking and be more reflective. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We, we know that when people reflect, they perform better. So why are you so passionate about cognitive coaching or what pulled you into this line of, of work? Well, first and foremost, it's been transformative for me. Personally, I have completely changed the way I, I think the way I teach, the way I interact with people. And so it's been life changing. But I also believe it's the most respectful form of professional development available. Um, if you think about it, it's job embedded. It's not something you have to go to. It's um, personalized. So it's not a 
program that everybody has to take the same thing. It's focused on my identity and my beliefs and my values and what's important to me. Um, it's not focused on fixing your behaviors. It's focused on really finding your strengths and capitalizing on them. And it's important to me that it's also based in good neuroscience research. So truly, this is embedded in every facet of your life, and you've been able to see how transformative it is for you and for the colleagues you work with, and you're just really feeling compelled to be able to spread that further to others. Exactly. I think I'd probably become like a missionary about it. Well, you've definitely impacted um, our approach to coaching um, while you've been on your mission, uh, because it's really contagious when we're around you. We really want to see your expertise in action and live through an authentic coaching conversation with you. So we brought in Eric Rasmussen to join us as our second fabulous guest today. Eric, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and your role. So my role with St. Vrain Valley Schools uh, currently is a learning and technology coach, and I am site-based at Erie Middle and Erie High School. Before, I'm currently in my third year doing that, and then before that, I worked at Silver Creek High School, where I taught chemistry and biology. Awesome. I am now going to turn it over to the famous Carolee and let you have your deep dive into a coaching conversation. Well, thank you for doing this today, Eric. What What's on your mind that you'd like to talk about? Uh, so for me, I think I want to have a reflecting conversation around some professional development I'm leading at one of my schools. Okay. So the professional development we are doing at our school uh, spans the time from November to March. And the whole school is essentially doing a video lesson study. And with our district, we have late start. So the first Wednesday of every month is a late start, and we have time, collective time with the staff. So from November to March, I'm allocated 45 minutes every late start to help the staff who are in groups that they selected to be in, um, help them determine one classroom practice that they as a group will commit to act, enacting during that month. So every single member of the group will then try that classroom practice, and then at least one of them will then reach out to me to come in and videotape them doing that, and then I'll put that video on a shared platform with which the other group members can then leave comments and have a little bit of a dialogue about what they saw. This is all to allow kind of the practice of classroom observations to occur without the confines of schedules and time restraints. And then the following month, the staff will come back together during a late start. They'll have a brief reflection on what they learned from the previous month, and then we'll find a new classroom practice that they'll enact for the following month, and the process repeats itself. And so what I want to reflect on is we are two weeks into the first session. So the late start happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, staff members had time to identify these classroom practices, and now they're enacting it. So what do you think is, has, how's it been going? I think it's going pretty well. I have been invited into two classrooms so far to do videotaping. Both of those 
came out really well. Um, at one point in time, I went into the staff lunchroom and just when I first walked in, I heard a conversation uh, between different staff members about what they were going to be trying to do in their classrooms. And so that was, that was cool. That was, they didn't know I was coming in. I just happened to be in a situation and overheard that. So I think from that aspect, it's going well so far. Um, the only thing that I would push back on a little bit is during that late start meeting, I was supposed to have 45 minutes to run this protocol that I created. Um, but as with like any late start, of course, like right before I went up, they're like, oh, by the way, um, we have to shorten this because we're running late. Um, so you're going to have 20 minutes. So then I had to like condense everything at 20 minutes. So I've heard that some staff members um, are feeling a little stressed because they didn't have enough time necessarily to dig into the resources that I provided for them to identify a practice that they want to try. So initially, the level of engagement seems to be high, and people are telling you that they're interested in doing this, and you're hearing them talk about it even when you're not around. The, The flaw at this point seems to be really capturing that 45 minutes in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide to use a protocol for that 45 minutes? My intentionality there was to have a little bit of structure because having been in the classroom and involved in various forms of professional development, I wanted a people in these new groups to feel safe. And oftentimes safety and groups can be given with structure. Um, And also along with that, I didn't want conversation to kind of go off the rails and then various group dynamics to emerge where complaining happened or something would occur with which they wouldn't be able to have time to dig into the resources or find a strategy to do. Um, And also this whole thing is new, like it's brand new for the culture of the school. Um, The idea of cognitive coaching is probably new for a lot of the people there. And so I wanted to make the transition as easy and as fluid as possible. So you're cognizant that you're doing some things that have never been done. And because of that, it's important to you to provide for psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you want to be sure that the time is well spent, that it's focused, and it's purposeful. Yeah. So when you lost 25 minutes of your 45, how did you decide to adjust the situation? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was stressful. Um, ultimately I just adjusted by very quickly explaining the rationale for what we were doing and giving the staff just a quick overview of the journey that we had gone through. Like, why are we doing what we're about to do? There was an activity in there that I wanted to lead the staff through an outcome structure map so they could start to think about the resources that they would personally need as they start thinking about what's, what can they do to help students learn best. So unfortunately I had to cut that. And as instead of doing that, I just 
try to preserve as much time as possible for them to look at the resources. Um, so I provided essentially 15-ish minutes for them to A, look at different resources, and then B, try to identify a practice that in their groups they could commit to. So you really had to think on your feet mm -hmm. and cut a lot of what you knew was important work. Mm -hmm. So what was the outcome of that decision? I think that... I think it was a little unfortunate we weren't able to do the outcome structure map, and I would like in the future maybe to revisit that because I think it's important to have people settle into that mindset as far as just being ready to think about new way, new pedagogical skills and to think about, well, the reason I'm trying to learn these new practices is because, for example, maybe my group is student agency. And by virtue of going through this outcome structure map, I determined that X, Y, and Z are the resources that I need as a teacher. So then students will ultimately be able to perform in this classroom that I want to structure around agency or student agency. So I'd like to revisit that. Um, but I think the staff were probably appreciative of the time that they did have to start having those conversations with their peers and looking at the resources provided to them. So as you speak about this, it sounds like your bigger goal is not not just the instructional strategy, but it's really about a mindset of building efficacy in teachers around their responsibility mm -hmm. to student agency or whatever the topic is. Mm -hmm. So in thinking about that and knowing you have several months, what are you thinking is the best way to start developing that mindset as well as addressed instructional strategies? I think it's really important for me to continue using reflective rhetoric with the teachers when I'm working with them individually in the classes or with these groups. So even though probably in the future, uh, I'm certain that I might come up with a plan for a late start and it's going to get condensed again. So I think with that in mind, I'm going to have to think of other ways that I can engage the staff in these type of reflective conversations or protocols that they can do possibly with me just in the hallway or at times that aren't during late starts and to not necessarily rely on that time, but to find other avenues for engaging the staff in those particular ways. So from your early experiences, you're learning that you can't count on the time that you thought you'd have. And you're really going to have to broaden your thinking that every day this work is your work. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes part of something you just do, not just within this 25-minute time period. Mm -hmm. So how do you get feedback? How have you been getting feedback from your staff about what you're trying to do? At this point in time, because it's so new, we're only two weeks into it. I haven't necessarily had the chance to 
orchestrate methods of getting feedback beyond just the request to come into classrooms and film or the occasional encounters with staff that I'll either overhear them talking about what they're trying to do because they're talking to other people or having that conversation directly with them. So I think that'll also be something I have to think about as far as what can I put into place to gather that feedback in more of a timely manner as opposed to just waiting for that invite to come. So you're building the plane while you're flying it. Yeah. And what's the hardest part of that for you? I think the hardest part about that is trying to adjust in a timely manner that I, when I have time to plan for, for example, a late start, I feel really confident with my skills as far as being able to elicit this type of thinking. So I need to find ways of being able to do that or feel just more confident with my ability to do that in a hallway conversation. So some of your assumptions are going to have to change. You assumed you would have that. So what might be a new assumption that's surfacing for you from this experience so far? A new assumption for me is that, I guess just right now in this moment, thinking about the conversation that I overheard between teachers talking about the practice they wanted to put into place, is that through more interactions with staff members um, and having more coaching-related conversations, just either officially where we set up or in the hallway, it could get to the point where that type of rhetoric will snowball. And then, yeah, they might still be talking about the practice that they want to implement, but it might be with the rhetoric of coaching. And so then it won't necessarily be my responsibility 100% of the time that I can build. I guess, I mean, that's the point, right, of cognitive coaching is to build that efficacy and them to be able to do that by themselves. So you're not thinking about this so much as an event that you can plan and do the best you can to make it work. You're really thinking about this is a way of working for you both formally and informally. And that when you do that, you're more likely to have influence on it becoming part of the culture. Mm -hmm. So given that insight, how might you start next week? One thing that I can immediately do So we're using a video platform called Athena, which is where I'll upload a video to this and then the teachers are in private groups where they can have a conversation about the video, is that I had originally planned to kind of every once in a while pop into those conversations and leave comments, but when I first post the video, I might just start off posing a few mediative questions just right then and there. So then when teachers then go to that video, they have those questions as, I guess, prompts waiting Mm -hmm. for them. So then I can remove the protocol specifically from late starts and find other areas, for example, like this video area where I can bring bring in those ways of thinking. So you can kind of prime the pump with a little bit of structure, but it's important to you that it really be theirs and their self-directed conversations if it's going to become pervasive. Yeah. 
So what might be clearer for you as a result of this reflection? I mean, honestly, I think just that, that there are still plenty of opportunities to start, as you said, priming the pump for the staff of the school to start kind of internalizing this way of thinking, this way of posing questions to one another, this way of just conversing around the videos, around their classroom practices that they're doing. And I can find avenues to kind of elicit that thinking, whether it's in the videos or emails that I send or just in my conversation with them in the hallway, like, hey, um, thanks so much for inviting me into your class yesterday to take that video. Um, And at that moment, ask a reflective question or a planning question or some sort of coaching-related question. So you kind of have been putting all your eggs in one basket with the, the lesson study. And you're realizing that there are more baskets out there that you can fill mm-hmm. and be um, just completely pervasive with this work. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Eric, I'm so glad you are able to get um, such a shift through that conversation. And I can't wait to follow up with you and see how this video project is going. Now we're going to move into our rapid fire questions for today. All right, so in this section, think about answering in 30 seconds or less. We're going to start with Carolee for each of these and then bounce to you, Eric, to wrap it up. So, Carolee, what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? Stop trying to fix, focus on growth. Ooh, I love that. Focus on growth. Yeah. Eric, can you rival that bumper sticker? (laughs) Okay. Um, In 30 seconds, I guess my bumper sticker is cognitive coaching is mental ninjas. And I know that that sounds like much more aggressive than probably what we want cognitive coaching to sound like. (laughs) But if you think of like the portrayal of ninjas, they have impacts like really strong impacts, but the way they do that is hidden. And so we as cognitive coaches, our work is unseen. Like it's not about us. It's about the person we're coaching so we can have impacts on them without bringing ourselves into the situation. I love that analogy there. The ninja, the unseen change. That's, that's super powerful. <laughs> All right, Carolee, back to you. Tell me what is your coaching superpower or what is your go-to move in coaching? I find that my go-to that's most likely to get shift is flexibility. Because I think when you go to flexibility, you start to have empathy for others and let go of your egocentricity. And you almost always get a new perspective when you go there. Flexibility. So being able to let go of some of that. Eric, what would be your go-to move or your superpower? All right, coaches. My superpower is the same superpower that you all have, and it's, you can't mess this up. (laughs) Because when you ask somebody a mediative question, or if you paraphrase them, even if you say the wrong thing, they are going to think about what you said, and then they're going to correct you, and then you can paraphrase and ask another question again. So no matter what you say, you're going to elicit thinking. So... You can remove the stress from feeling like you have to be right all the time because you're always going to be right. That's awesome advice. Um, That wraps up our show for today. We want to thank you both for being here with us and taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. 
To wrap up today, and as you move into the season of Thanksgiving, take a moment to reach out and thank a coach in your life. This could be your mom who listens every day, your admin for propelling your thinking forward, your encouraging teammate, or even a child giving you the affirmation you needed that day. Take a moment to stop and appreciate them. Please tweet out who you thanked and why. Tag us at C3Coaches and use the hashtag ThankACoach. We'd also like to thank Sticker Giant for sponsoring this episode and providing stickers for our listeners. If you'd like a sticker, tweet us at C3Coaches with an episode idea or a shout out with the hashtag StickerGiantSticker, Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks for listening. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?